everyone, and welcome to A Nightmare on Fear Street. A monstrous podcast about all things horror. If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on all of the usual socials or subscribe to our Patreon for bonus content and merch. You can find all of that by visiting us at allmylinks.com backslash A Nightmare on Fear Street or in our episode descriptions wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Today we are so excited to be covering Scream 2022 with Jamie and Joshua. Welcome Ooh. back. I love you both for being here because we had Josh on for Tragedy Girls. And guess who's here in this movie as well? Same boyfriend, different problems. And Jamie does <laughs> Slasher Sundays with us. And so this feels right. This is the dream team for this episode. And y'all knew we were going to do this episode. Like, I mean, if you did not think we were going to do a special episode for this movie, did you even know us? Plus, when I was drunk (laughs) at my birthday complaining about aliens, I yelled, the four of us are going to do this. And I'm no liar. (laughs) She raised a lot of things. A liar is not one of them. Hey, nobody ever called me. That feels like a lifetime ago, you guys. Even though it's only been like six months, that feels like it happened like so Right. I was cross-country. Six months ago, wasn't it? It was June. Yeah. It was literally June. Eight months ago. Jesus Cristo. We can't do math here. It's fine. We don't do Yeah, we're drunk. We don't do math. (laughs) Uh, My room has been rearranged since then. Like, my place looks different since then. I can't believe that. Oh, I know. Oh, my God. We've all changed. We've all grown so much. (laughs) We're completely different people. No, I'm just kidding. But before we get into Scream, we're going to catch up with Jamie and Josh and see what's going on in their worlds. So Jamie, what's going on with Bloody Broads? How's that going? Yeah, it's great. We are inching towards our 20th episode that we have a very special guest for. I'm excited for that to come out. Basically, we are planning out our next couple of episodes and then we'll have a slight pause between season one and two. And I'm very excited. Yes, yes. Oh, I was just saying before we started recording that it's just funny the timing of this because Bob and it will be on like I, almost a week after we post this ish. So, but we recorded that like a long time ago. So, you know, things happen. <laughs> <laughs> but what horror have you been watching? What you've been watching out there? Oh my gosh. So I tried to watch my second ever Gaspar No film and Trey tried to watch it with me. <laughs> I've seen Into the Void that I can do. We tried to watch, I mean, when I say I can do it, it is, it's like eyes to the fingers, you know. We tried to watch Irreversible or in French, Irreversible. (laughs) (laughs) We only made it about 18 minutes in and I almost passed out. Same, which different reasons, but I almost passed out during the newest Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, there's a specific scene at the beginning that I just, (laughs) 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 Um, it's a good time though. I still enjoyed it. A lot of tweets about it uh, after I posted that, you know, I posted like a five quick five tweet thread of a quick recap while I was live watching it. And just, uh, I got a lot of lightheaded moments in that movie. There's a lot of blood, which I'm okay with, but yeah, we tried to watch irreversible in it. We didn't make it through. I didn't make it. So I've finally been defeated. (laughs) I've never gotten motion sickness from a movie before, but the way the camera was spinning as it was throwing all these naked men and dicks at my face, I was like, I can't. I feel high. I didn't even do anything today. Why am I high? (laughs) We, there was that camera work that makes you physically 
ill. It makes you dizzy. There's naked older men, which we're not trying to body shame. It's just we didn't know that there were going to be that many penises in like five minutes of a movie and also booty holes, like actual spreading of the cheeks. Um, You girl almost (laughs) fainted a couple times. And then Josh is like, tell me more. <laughs> it wasn't even the sexual stuff that got to me. There's just a specific scene of, of extreme violence because it is a French extremist film. And kudos to that special effects team. You guys crushed it. I almost threw up, which doesn't happen often, but it was bad. The special effects were amazing. They were so good. They were. It was bad for me. <laughs> And that's what I've been watching lately is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and French Extremist films. <laughs> wow. Okay. There you go. Uh, and remind the viewer or listeners, not viewers, because we're not live at this time. Remind the listeners where they can find you and Bloody Broads. Yeah. So we are on Twitter and Instagram at Bloody Broads Pod. We would love, love, love for people to go back and listen to our other episodes, but I'm super excited about our upcoming episodes as well because we have some technical upgrades. You guys know I'm a gearhead. And then you can find me, as always, at Glitter Burrito on Twitter forever and always. Uh, It's a good time. I try not to live tweet too many movies I watch, but if you're ever around, sometimes I'll hop on a Twitter space and watch some movies live. So I would love to have more people on. Yes, yes. Follow and subscribe. All right, Josh, now you're in the hot seat. What's been working on? What's been going on? Yo, I have been in rehearsals since uh, early January for a play that I'm doing here in Chicago at Red Twist Theater. It's called Isaac's Eye. I'm playing Isaac. It's a story about Isaac Newton before, you know, he did all the cool stuff. And it's kind of modern talking about him and his, his, his arch enemy, Robert Hooke. It's Ooh. a fun play. It's 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 very, very wordy. I, I say a lot of words and I don't shut up in the play. But at the end of the play, I get to stick a needle in my eye. So, you know, you want to watch that? Would, I, I, could, I would be able to do it. I'd be like... Yeah, I mean, the real Isaac Newton, like, he honestly stuck a needle in his eye. And so, you know, I get to pretend to do it on stage and it's going to be a good time. Yeah, but I'm going to do rehearsals for that right now. It's uh, taking up all of my time, but I'm enjoying the process. That's exciting. When do y'all open? Oh, oh God, that's a good question. We actually go into tech, I think, next week. And I think our first preview, I think, is on the 14th. And we run until late April, I think. So Chicago listeners can check this out. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Come see us. Red Twist Theater. It's off of the Bryn Mawr Red Line stop in Edgewater in Chicago. And we will we will be, you know, doing that. We're also doing it in a small black box theater. So we're basically going to be on top of the audience. Uh, very intimate experience. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I love that. So what horror have you been watching? Besides the sticking needle in your eye. Yeah. <laughs> what horror have I been watching? I've been watching the news. Isn't that terrible? Oh my God. Um, I actually haven't been able to watch a whole lot of anything lately because rehearsal has been taking up all of my time. I go to work and go straight to rehearsal and I think I sleep for four hours. So besides my bad dreams and the news, haven't been up so much. Um, I have started actually watching Breaking Bad because I've never seen it before. Awesome. Um, so this is my first watch through through Breaking Bad and Breaking, Breaking Bad is scaring the hell out of me sometimes. But I went hard. Yeah. I went hard. When I moved to Chicago, I was watching it on the trains, on my Kindle, when I downloaded episodes. I was watching it while I said it for tech and spaces because I was like, yeah. I can't stop. I need to know how this ends. I've been working from home the last couple of weeks. And so I'm just, I have it on while I'm doing my work. And then I watch it on my lunch breaks and everything. But Josh, if you want to watch El Camino when you're done, the like follow up movie, mm-hmm. ping me because I'll watch it with you. That movie okay. is 
the most stressful thing I've ever seen. I, I'm totally down because I, I was telling a friend, I just finished season four and I've been okay. through the first four seasons, I think in about three days. I just went really, really hard doing it. Um, had a couple of days off of rehearsal and work, so I did that. But I have to take a break before I like jump into season five because I'm okay. so overwhelmed with everything that's happening and I'm so stressed <laughs> out. So I need to you know, have about a, about a week long break before I jump into season five. I've not seen El Camino or Better Call Saul, so I think that we should do that as a collective. I'd be down. <laughs> awesome. All right, and uh, remind listeners, well, I almost said viewers again, goddammit. Remind listeners where they can find you on the socials as well. Yes, on the socials, I am on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at, at S-I-R underscore V-A-N-T-E-Z one. Uh, that's at Cervantes one Cervantes. It's like a play on my last name. My last name is Cervantes, but my Instagram handle, I spell it differently just for funsies. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. All right. Now what we've all been waiting on for like months now, let's get in. (laughs) Let's get uh, for decades. Let's be real. Let's get into scream 2022 or scream five, depending on who you ask. Or five cream. <laughs> I hate that so much. I do too. I, uh. Sorry, that was the way, and that's why I was like, "We don't need the internet anymore. Take it away." Take it we away. Don't you, did, it. you did five cream on Beyonce's internet. We are <laughs> we're not speaking anymore. But Jamie or Josh, which one of your first thoughts? Josh, first thoughts. I actually really like this movie. I think when you wait for a movie, especially in a series that's been established for, when did the first one come out? 1996? Mm-hmm. Um, so established for that long, and then you're waiting for the latest installment. It's really, really easy to think, oh man, this is going to be a shit movie. Especially considering different writers, different directors, rest in peace, Wes Craven. But I was so surprised at how much I not only liked this movie, but loved so much of this movie. And it, it really did feel like a love letter to fans of the Scream franchise. And I was just very, Mm -hmm. very very happy that I walked out of the theater, happy that I liked it and not so upset at anything. So yeah, this this is a good movie. Same. Cause I, when I saw Radio Silence was doing it, I was like, they gave me ready or not. So it'll be a good time, but will it be Scream? I don't know. So I went in expecting a different movie. I set my expectations low and I walked out being like, oh my God, they found that balance between nods to the past and also doing their own shit which mm-hmm. a lot of p- movies just don't. I think it's like this and the Summer Party Massacre reimagining mm-hmm. that I feel I've done it the best these last couple years. And yeah. I think that's, yeah, I was so happy. I was so happy. I want to turn around and go back in, but my ride was like, we're going back to Minneapolis. Was- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can, I can confidently say that while this movie came out in January, it will be top five films of the year. 100%. 100%. Easily. <laughs> If anything is better than this and what I assume Nope will give me, then I am surprised. I don't know what it is if I've not heard about it yet. Right. Like, exactly. impress me. I love. I would love to. I would love to be impressed. <laughs> I'm even more impressed for a horror movie that was released theatrically in January. Because that's right. like the graveyard time to release right. horror movies. You know, if a horror movie is going to be released in January, you might as well just kind of like skip it. But this one, the, this one, don't skip it. Please don't skip this movie. Oh, well, and I, I won't think, allow it. <laughs> yeah, and I think that, I mean, Josh kind of said it all already, but that was my exact thought. Like, you are releasing a legacy film that redefined the genre in the death month of movies? First of all, whatever. 
Second of all, y'all don't know horror fans. We're going to ride hard. Third of all, they don't know specifically those of us who are Scream diehards because it's no secret I'm a huge Scream diehard. It's why I stuck with horror after the early 2000s because there was that time in the early 2000s when we were entering the Iraq War and mm-hmm. torture trauma and torture porn films became the norm. And I hate 99% of those movies. Same. Which is why we'll talk about one of my points in a minute. (laughs) There's a character that I really connected to in this movie. (laughs) But this film just goes to show that if studios will give fans the money and the time and the resources, the movies that come out of that are going to be worth going to theaters for. I got my booster so that I could go see this movie. Yes, 100%. Like... I was so excited. I saw it twice in theaters. Mm -hmm. And instead of renting it this time, I was like, I'm going to be irresponsible. And I just bought the damn thing. (laughs) Is that irresponsible, Trent? Or is it saving money in the long run? I was like, it's only $15 more. And you're going to watch it more than three times for the $5 on Paramount Plus or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. For West, Trent. For West. For for (laughs) West. Hashtag. (laughs) But I I want to say... Just from the top of this film, the opening is magical. I loved this opening with Jenny Ortega. And it's, for me, it is on par with the first two. Like, loved it. It was brutal. She fucking got stabbed in the first, like, 10 seconds when she opened that door. And he's like, bloop, you're stabbed. Like, but she put up a fight. I loved it. It was perfect. I was upset about that because, like, her being stabbed is, like, all of the press. And I'm like, well, clearly she's going to live. Why are you giving me things? And they're like, we gave you just enough, bitch. Shut up. And I was like, okay, I'm fine with this. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny, Sherry, because I thought she was the red herring that dies at the beginning. Like, I mm-hmm. thought she was a Casey Becker. I thought it so, was a new Drew Barrymore. Yeah. I thought she was going to be the killer. <laughs> <gasps> I did that I, I too at the point in the house. I, I had like, thought about... I don't know, halfway through the movie, I was like, she's probably one of the killers. And they're probably doing like this weird meta recording kind of thing just to make it absolutely authentic, you know, like a role play kind of thing. And then when they started mentioning it towards the end of the movie that she may be one of the killers, I was like, I was right. And then, you know, I wasn't. But I really thought she was going to be one of the killers. The only reason I didn't suspect her is because Amber came in being guilty. And that's what I'm mad about. That actor wrote in and was like, hmm. I'm a killer. And I'm like, don't give that away. So, first of all, Josh is out there giving them ideas for Scream 6 for free. Boy, you better (laughs) mute yourself. You need to stop that. You better trademark that. The Venmo. So, you know who to pay whenever you Put the Venmo in the pod notes. You heard it here first. Yes. Second of all, I think I'm the only person on this entire planet who is genuinely still a little bit surprised say no girl you're not because i was the same way like granted on a rewatch i i caught into some of the things sheree caught into mm-hmm. but like especially with her obsession with tara and like okay I'm, I'm seeing this now but that first viewing when she shoots that girl in the head i was like Caught me by so much surprise that it happened so fast that towards the end of the movie, when everybody was just like, okay, body count is here, body count is there, everybody who's still alive is standing up. I looked at my partner and was like, wait, where's that other girl? Because it happened so fast that I completely forgot that she got mm-hmm. shot. And I was like, oh yeah, that's how it happened. But like, ugh, what a reveal. What a reveal. 
it was a great reveal, but I already knew it was her because, like, it, again, like it comes on and it's like I'm outside your friend's window. I'm like, we've seen this movie before, <laughs> and also, like, she lets this girl live, and then Amber's like over her in the hospital. Like, where's your other inhaler? We all need to leave. And I was like, so you you stabbed her. Who's your partner? That's what I was playing the whole movie. Who's your partner? And I expected everybody because it's what a great screen movie does. You expect everybody at one point. But I just, I wanted her to be a little hidden because she was just there being like, you found one. Do you think there's another? Do you think there's two more? Do you feel lucky about these other guesses? (laughs) But I think that that's why I love Scream so much is because it's a meta whodunit. And that's Mm -hmm. why I, I mean, it is why I love it. And Again, it wasn't super obvious to me, but that's why I go see Scream movies. A, for the commentary on current horror pop culture in general, and B, for that game aspect of it. And so many movies treat the audience like we are stupid, and they spell everything out for us. And to me, to go into a film and not predict the ending, A, is a rarity these days. But B, I didn't see her I didn't see Amber as the killer at all because I knew Richie I was the opposite I knew Richie was the killer see I didn't I didn't get either one of them I I I mean I got it when I got it but I was like was not on that band. I mean I had been on that bandwagon but I had gotten off at one point to because I, I, I went somewhere else I kept coming back to Richie but it wasn't until he was conveniently stabbed like Derek was in the second one where I was like it really is him and Amber that's literally what I thought of was the second movie I was like bitch as soon as he got stabbed, I was like, it's him. Right. right. And I saw this on opening night at like a seven o'clock showing. So they do like, you know, now big releases will get the seven o'clock and then the midnight. So listen, I'm a fresh 30. We could not do a midnight on a weeknight where we have <laughs> rehearsals the next morning. <laughs> so it was amazing because everyone else in the theater, A, it was mostly people 25 and older, which we love. B, there were a couple of teenagers in the theater, but they had clearly been fans of the originals because they laughed at those moments that referenced the older films. They gasped at the right time. They knew who Dewey was, whole nine yards. And the other group that was in the theater that I loved, we were surrounded by queer couples and they all had on Scream merch. And it made my heart so happy because... There was a post that blew up on the Scream subreddit. Someone drew fan art of Stu and, oh my gosh, you guys, I'm going to blink out right now. Ski? Yes. Yeah, Billy, Billy, Stu and Billy. Billy and Stu, which they're two of my favorite characters and I'm blanking out because it's been a long week. Sorry. So someone on the subreddit drew fan art of Stu and Billy and very in that like Romeo and Juliet 1995 Boz Lerman style and it looked amazing. It looked like a tattoo. And the fanboys were mad. They were like, why are you guys making them gay? And I was like, I have some bad news for you. They always were. They I, always were. I have said many times, many ways, those are couple goals. Billy literally called Stu. I was like, we'll kill some bitches. He's like, okay, let's kill our girlfriends. He no questions. Right. No conversations. <laughs> he was ride and die. Okay? Right. <laughs> But he I also they were doing it when Sydney did, and I was like, "Stu, ask questions, ask <laughs> questions." But I also gotta say, with the with the with the revelations from this film, Billy needed to keep it in his damn pants. Okay, he's got Stu, he's got Sydney, he's got the Ortega mama. Like, 
We've been in small towns before, Trey. There ain't a lot to do. Listen, the <laughs> pool is the kiddie pool from the dollar store, okay? Can we talk about that real quick, though? Because that's one of my points that I really wanted to get into was his hallucination, his ghost. Yes. And I know Josh wanted to talk about this as well. So other people hated it. The only one that I didn't like was that final one. It felt a little too cheesy, a little too on the nose for a Scream film. But I loved that we kept getting flashbacks of him. A, because I'm selfish. And I was like, oh, it's cute, Orange. And B. And he looked the same. I well, mean, some of it's CGI, but right. you can see in his eyes, it's him. Right. And then B, I didn't know he was her daughter. I thought it was going to be the Amber situation where she had become so obsessed with the case that that's mm -hmm. how her mental illness was, was manifesting, which is a little bit, I'm going to say this as a fan, is a little bit too advanced for a Scream film. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. I I don't know that I loved the visions of Billy. I don't know that, I don't know that we needed to actually see him. Even though I did enjoy seeing him because like you said, loves Keith. He's, he's there. I also don't understand. There are people online that are saying that it's supernatural. And I'm like, they're visions. She's having a... like. I think my only thought about it, while I was very, very happy to see Skeet, because, you know, I'm always happy to see Skeet. Right. <laughs> but, I'm here for Skeet. And while I was really, really happy to see, you know, an illusion of Billy again, because it made me happy, the, 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 I, I, I had to roll with it for a little bit. I was like, okay, yeah, there, it's, it's, is it supernatural? Sure. Is it, is it kind of like further into different realms than any Scream movie has gone before? Absolutely. But I also think that that made me appreciate it because Scream is pushing a little further to what we've seen before. The one issue that I had about it is that, did she know what Billy Loomis looked like and why did he look like that to her? I think right. that was the one thing that I had an issue with because she never saw him in his in his in his supernatural form. He is the uh, pig's blood all over him, hole in the head, kind of like stabbed in the chest and everything. But she never saw him that way. She never saw images of him that way. She never saw um, that happen. So so I, I just question why Sam's vision of Billy was him, you know, murdered the way that he was and not just like an image of Billy. Does that make sense? That and not only did they use like the same CGI they used for the Nightmare on Elm Street remake on his face, which was really hard to look at, but also we don't understand why she's on antipsychotics and why she has these visions. There's a gap because like mm. she tells a story of finding out who her dad when she's 13 and yeah, that'll mess you up. But to go from I find out who my real dad is to I'm hallucinating and taking drugs for it and a serial killer talks to me. I need to, we need some breadcrumbs because we just out here doing some shit to be like, <laughs> y'all will go along with it. And I'm like, I will, but I wish you wouldn't make me. So <laughs> I get the breadcrumbs thing for sure. Cause there were a lot of like, there's a lot of time that I think maybe they left in for possible sequels. We'll see. I don't know. But my defense of the visual is because this has been turned in, in the movie universe. This has been a film in that universe that she has seen and there are also pictures of Billy. She's from Woodsboro, mm -hmm. like yearbooks, her mom's journals. Like, I think she could have put two and two together and, and gotten it. I, I will give you all of that for the face, but the fact that she knows what he looks like at the crime scene, 
Was she dating a detective before she left at the age of 13? Well, like, wouldn't they have used that for the for the movie in the book? Yeah, I guess what Trent said makes sense. And with like how meta and self-referential Scream itself is, like I totally could see like, you know, putting the connections in that it's like the stab version of Billy, but with yeah. Billy's actual image over the stab version that she could possibly be seeing. But I feel like that's also us stretching for like the biggest totally. explanation. I enjoyed I, I enjoyed him coming back. I thought it was a cool reference back, you know. Listen, she just hallucinated the hottest version of her dad. <laughs> and I don't hate it. Good for her. Because I I'm all here for her being like, I'm related to a serial killer. And I need a moment about that, even if it is a decade. But I just feel because they didn't fill in those breadcrumbs, it seems like they're just like, she's related to a psycho. So she's a psycho because this is still the 70s. I'm like, you're smarter than this. Don't don't drop the ball here. Please. I do, I do, I do get that. <sighs> yeah, the other thing that Josh and I both clicked on was the brutality of this film. Uh, this scream was about, mm, I'm gonna say at least five and a half times, you know, scientifically speaking, <laughs> more brutal than the past, which I love the OGs because they're campy and it's a stab and it's blood, but it's not. My guts are falling out. We save those for Slasher, the TV show. <laughs> but, but this was brutal down to uh, them breaking Tara's leg again and her having to crawl down that hallway. I almost listened that crunch noise. I swooned in the theater and not in like a fangirl way. I like grabbed my significant other's arm like, help me. Like. <laughs> <laughs> No, totally. I, I, the brutality in this, and just like how pointed the brutality in this movie was. I think uh, for me, Wes's death in the theater, just pinned up against the door, and they're just showing the knife just like through slowly his throat. He's like, struggling so hard. He's trying so much. Eyes. Oh, yeah. So it was just this thing. I was like, oh my god! Like I can't believe this. It's not like a quick stab, stab. It's a watch this fucking brutality happen. That whole sequence from when she goes to get the sushi to his death is mm -hmm. one of my favorite sequences in this film, and not just because it's a male shower scene. <laughs> I love Wes's death so much that I stopped complaining about them just throwing Judy Hicks a kid, which she didn't have in the fourth one. Because, like, the math don't math. No, math, yeah. math did not math. Math don't math. Where's this boy's daddy when she's making limit squares for Deputy Dewey? Why is she making her kid? Clearly, she ain't about fidelity. Limit squares don't mean you're cheating on your wife. Because, <laughs> mm, mm. like, even Gail never threw it in her face. Because Gail is that bitch. If the bitch had a kid in the fourth one, she would have been like, why don't you take her your son, Judy Hicks? Take like, these ass limit squares out of my fucking husband's face. We did not get a conversation. This kid did not exist. They made him up. And yeah. so, like, but again, his death made me so happy. I stopped complaining. Because all of the times he should have been <laughs> murdered and he wasn't, I live for every time. Like, okay, now. Okay, no, not now. Okay, now. Okay, not now. And then at the last minute, they're like, oh, through the neck, which is like weird <laughs> And I was like, yes. This is what Wes Craven wanted. I, then, I don't know him, but he wanted this. And, and right after, Judy just got like pummeled with stab wounds in their front yard in the middle of the fucking day. That's what she gets for going after Gellweather's man in the last movie <laughs> and then taking his job in this movie. You know what's so funny? I remember texting Sheree right before the movie came out because we were doing like a discussion about, you know, like, okay, fan theories. Here's what we think is going to happen. And I remember thinking, I was like, you know what? Press is showing a whole lot how like the originals are coming back. And with the originals, they were also including Judy Hicks. And I was like, well, why is she included with such a high 
profile with the other three. Like, did we really need Judy Hicks back? Do we really even need her in the fourth movie? No. But I think, honestly, the death that I felt most sad about was Judy Hicks in the movie. When it happened, I was like, oh, no, how sad. I was just so, so yeah. sad because she just wanted to save her son. And then her son got it after. And I was like, well, that was a sad five minutes. And and I will say something for Judy Hicks at that point. And I and I will say Deputy Judy slash she'll always be Deputy Judy in my mind. But like she her character has grown on me the more times I've watched Scream Four because her dynamic with Gail in Scream Four is very funny (laughs) to me. And that weird scene where she's like, "Do you remember me?" (laughs) (laughs) I was. Also, the fact that she was playing a Native American woman, but you know, neither here nor there. In the play, Peter Pan, she played. Oh, not, oh. no, 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 no! In the play, she says, "I play Tiger Lily," and she's a white blonde lady. Sheree and I both right. she said just Nette had a Nette. "what the hell" moment. Sheree and I both were like leaning. Oh wait, was Net was Net was Sydney Tiger? Who was Tiger Lily? She I think she Lily. says in the script that Sydney played Tiger Lily. Maybe you're probably right, Josh. Uh, I almost turned this whole podcast around and she did her car to go back to her son. <laughs> I was like, ooh, everything that's said about her, we got to delete that right here, right now. <laughs> so, no, yeah, I think she did say Cindy. You're right, Josh. So, Either way, cringy. Yeah. And so speaking of, you know, character dust that made us sad, if you guys are okay with going there, I really want to go it. there. I knew one of the big three was going to die. I thought it was going to be Gail. Because Courtney Cox Arquette is expensive and her brother is not. <laughs> Love you, David. I want to work with you. But you were also a wrestler back in the day. So <laughs> I have a massive crush on so many 90s stars, but he's one of the several, including, you know, some of the original cast. And when he died, A, it was incredibly brutal. B, I did agree with some of the online stuff where it felt a little stupid of him to go back. But I knew he had to die in this film because once we knew Sydney was going to survive, I was like, okay, it's either Gail or Dewey. It's going to be Gail. And then when it wasn't, I legitimately was pretty upset the first time I watched this movie. I wrote a, I wrote a whole article saying somebody got to die um, before yeah. I saw it because it's been time. And Dewey, yeah. Dewey keeps getting spared because... Wes Craven was like, he's funny. And I'm like, but he's dead. You you used him as a shish kebab. We saw his insides. He's dead. He's like, no, one more time. And so I'm like, it's, it's Dewey's time. If they want to take Gail or Sydney, that's cool. But it's Dewey's time, right? Listen, if we had taken Sydney, I would have rioted. Y'all would have never. Same. I whoo, you can't kill my hero. You can't yeah, you cannot have her me. back. You cannot I, have her like you cannot have ask her back, but you cannot kill her. But I, think I actually think I would have loved had they killed Sydney off. There was a huge part of me that actually, you know, the opening of each movie is kind of just like, you know, you get Drew Barrymore in the first one. And that was a huge shock for the originals because that was like, oh my God, Drew Barrymore is going to die. And everybody thought she was going to be the star of the show. And so that became a, a trope. You know, you get Jada Pinkett Smith in the second one. You get, you know, uh, caught and weary in the third one so everybody every, every everything from two on that you get is a familiar character stands for four but we got you know the whole stab franchise in four and i thought i was like what a, how how awesome would it be 10 years later that the phone rings opening shot of scream five and you see a hand pick it up and then the camera pans and the hand that picks it up is sydney and you know sydney's like 
the first kill of the first movie. I think that there was something that I kind of wanted to maybe see Sydney die in the movie. But I think part of that for me is also caring about the franchise and where does it go from here. Mm. Scream as a franchise doesn't necessarily exist without Sydney. And I'm kind of interested to see how it exists without her. I actually think that this movie did a very, very good job of setting up for movies that could possibly happen without Sydney. Yes. But for, for going into the movie, I didn't see how it would be possible if she didn't die. Because I and I've got I've got thoughts on that because I do kind of agree, and that could be a six opening. I was about to say, y'all keep giving them ideas for numbers. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, I think the way that they handled it in this is was perfect. The way they mm-hmm. brought in every legacy character felt felt accurate like gail is going to come if she sees a story mm-hmm. and she wants to see dewey let's be real and dewey is going to help them because dewey is ultimately the good guy and sydney is not going to come back unless dewey is dead right. if gail dies she's not coming back i agree if dewey dies she's coming back to say fuck you i'm gonna kill your ass as you fucked with the wrong bitch. As much as Dewey's death was his own fault, because again, how many movies have we said shoot him in the head, Dewey? How many times else... did she tell him that in, in Scream Three? Like four times, five times. Whenever have we left Ghostface to come back? Has it not been some shit? Dewey knows, but Dewey won't learn. Um, so even though it was his own fault that he died, unfortunately, it was my favorite death of the movie, just because like I knew he had to go, but I didn't know it'd be right then and there, and I didn't know it'd be so bloody. And I didn't know Ghostface was going to talk shit and be like, it's an honor. And I was like, oh, listen, I got to kill you dead. Bars. Ghostface had, Ghostface had bars this entire movie. Just so much shit talking. So when it was revealed who one of the killers, you know, was, for all of the critiques of it, I was like, yeah, but Amber's an angry teenage girl. You know she's going to have some shit talking skills. Mm-hmm. So that part made sense to me. Yeah. But it's true. I do want to go back to what you were saying about setting it up for movies without Sydney. I loved, and this is going to be controversial because I know how the girls like to tussle. I loved that Sydney didn't constantly bring up being a mom or surviving Mm. for her family. She is a fully realized grown-ass woman who's surviving because she is Sydney Prescott, y'all. And she is a fighter. She is my favorite final girl of all time. And she does not have to sit here and be like, my baby. Which, I'm not shit-talking parents. I'm shit-talking the screenwriting tendency to turn women into oh she's a mom now that's her Mm -hmm. whole personality Mm -hmm. this is who she is and she wasn't that in this movie and i loved it so now if she dies i think i would be okay with it in number six that doesn't mean i want her to die in number six for people who are listening (laughs) (laughs) but i would i would be okay with it and like a that's kind of the logical and 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 i told trey this if they did it well, I do not want a Jamie Lee Curtis Halloween resurrection moment. I, I do not fight want someone that. if that happens. And yes. I think that that's honestly what they tried to avoid with this because you can never do that again. H2O, that wasn't H2O, that was Resurrection. Resurrection yeah. has been retconned how many times since then because the creators realized how big of a mistake they were. I think even Jamie Lee Curtis is like, ah, sorry. But, <laughs> you know, it's that, that I think that kind of death for Sydney would not have been okay. I think. The creators did a very, very good job of setting up the new crop of kids that can take it forward. And if Sydney's got to go, Sydney's got to go. It would make a lot of sense because at this point, the franchise isn't really about her anymore. No. No. She's, she has passed on her legacy to Sam and Tara. And one thing that I do want to mention that I love is the relationship evolution of Sydney and Gail. I could see maybe Gail returning. I could see that motivation happening. 
but Sydney has no more ties. Gail's going to come if there's a story. Like, she just is. And she might die in six. That would be okay. Because she's going to come if there's a story. I think Sydney's she's done. done. I think she really done. Because, like, Dewey's dead. And that was the reason she came back. She was really worried about her friend who texted her, hey, it's happening. How are you? Smiley face. When she came <laughs> up to him and said, a text message? Right. So I think that they could both be done right now, but also I'd be fine if they were the first murder of the next movie, either of them. Because like their time is done. Their time is done. I love them. Their time is done. Because they've gotten to grow those first four movies where Dewey proved this movie. He was Dewey in the first one, Dewey for all of them. And in this one, they were like, What if he's a person? And I'm like, you wait till you kill him to give him things to do. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the evolution, like I said, the evolution of Gail and Sydney's relationship from one to this movie, from literally punching her in the face in the first movie to hugging her because of Dewey's, their joint mourning of Dewey is beautiful. And their dialogue together is hysterical. Like, are you ready for this? Never. <laughs> Do you think it's a trap? Yeah. <laughs> As a woman, it's really nice to see women just be friends because so many times in movies, even with like the infamous John Mulaney bit that now that we have Ocean's 8 is a moot point when he's like, you know, women could never be on a heist team together because they would all keep splitting up to shit talk each other. It's nice just to see female friendship in a positive way on film. But Shrey, I did want to go back to what you were talking about, about texting, because you and I had the same brainwave Per use. As usual. Yeah. <laughs> About texting. Where the fuck was Tara's mom this whole movie? I literally, lit- they were like, she's in London at a conference. Even the shittiest mom knows to come back when your daughter gets stabbed a couple times in your kitchen. Even if you don't care about the kid, you want to move your shit out of the house where a murder almost happened. Like, and she's just like, I'm in London. <laughs> also, we don't know who the mom is. Not the mystery I wanted to answer because I want to know who Billy was fucking. I just need to know for my own sake. Do we think that they're going to bring back a side character from one and two? I I have a I I my fan theory. I know this. Um, I wanted Tell to be one of the two. Um, remember the first movie in the video store? In the bathroom. No, it, when the two girls in the bathroom. The bathroom. That's who I think too. I wanted to be one of them. Please, the brunette I'm with the bob. Yeah. Where do you get this shit? Yeah. <laughs> like, you're so bad. Like I wanted to be one of them. Ricky <laughs> Lane, bubble up boyfriend <laughs> Billy. <laughs> Listen, this was a hoe, and that's fine. He was a good-looking kid. Um, I'm just gonna assume he was 18, and by his senior year, to make that not creepy. (laughs) (laughs) But I just, like Sheree said, we both the night that I saw it, I waited for her to see it, and I was like, "I'm dying. I need you to see this. I need to text about it with someone else who is a super fan." And as soon as she saw it, I blew up her phone and I was like, okay, here's everything I loved. The one thing that I just kept coming back to is where is the mother? I'm hoping we get some kind of fun reveal out of it. Given the Scream franchise history, I'm sure we will. But, you know, I mean, it is what it is. It wasn't the thing that people complained about this movie the most. I actually have huge bones to pick with the things that most people complained about in this movie. Same, 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 same. I do, before we move too far away from Dewey's death, because we do often talk about, like, the fact that acting and performances in horror films are so ignored by critics and award situations and stuff. 
the moment that Gale realizes Dewey is dead was beautifully performed by by Courtney Cox. Like it was heartbreaking. I, I just, uh, especially since we've we've grown up with these characters, essentially seeing her, who is usually this badass who doesn't take shit from anyone, completely break down. And then the next scene, she's just crumpled into this chair until she sees until she sees Sydney. Gorgeous, gorgeous job, Courtney Cox. Loved it. While we're talking about the acting and things that people had issues with, I just want to go on record as saying people got issues with Melissa Barrera's performance. But like as a horror kid, we see a lot of mid performances we don't talk about from white women. I I don't care if y'all see me. <laughs> So for people who are listening instead of watching, I just flipped double birds when Sheree was saying that. Not just Sheree, but the people that are hating. Because I'm coming. Great. Yeah, and I'm coming from the place of an actor. So I have a lot of strong feelings about this. You do not know acting work until you are having to be tortured and or cry on command for multiple hours a day, for multiple days in a row, with an entire film crew watching you relive one of your worst moments in order to get yourself to cry or however she produces those tears. It is a fucking tough genre to work in. And I am ready for someone to hurry up and acknowledge that horror deserves the same amount of recognition at the award shows as every other genre, especially some of the trash ash comedies that have been winning. All right. I'm off my soapbox y'all. <laughs> I 100% agree. And I didn't I like, was she my favorite character of this, of this film? No, but she was a great, a good performance and I felt for her and I just think people like to shit on women a lot. And it's I think that that's a very, very good point. A lot of people like to shit on women. A lot of people like to shit on women in horror films. Coming at you as a Mexican-American here on this podcast, I absolutely enjoyed the fuck out of the fact that our two lead women were two Mexican-American women. Mm-hmm. Or Latino yes, women. Or Latino yes. women. It made me so, so happy to see that a franchise was being carried by somebody who looks like me. In regards to her performance, I can also come at this as an actor. I thought it was pretty solid. I I do not understand. I, I think a lot of people go to movies sometimes and they're like, well, you know, the person kind of talked in one tone the entire time. One tone does not mean that you are not living in the reality of the character that you were playing. One tone does not mean that you are not like experiencing the things that the character is supposed to be experiencing. She played such a subdued character while so much stuff was going on around her. And that should have clued you into the fact that homegirl knew how to take care of herself at the end of this movie. And when she had her big moment at the end of this movie, and remained calm and wasn't freaking out and wasn't going crazy. It was so good. Not to mention the fact that like she is rewriting what the final girl is because she did what she did because of who she is. She is a serial killer's daughter. And so for her to remain so calm and subdued the entire movie and to finally embrace her, her psychoticness at the end, uh, if you're shitting on her performance, you're not actually watching her character grow throughout the movie. So to build off what you just said, Josh, A, I agree with all of it. B, if she would have gone in that direction and been hysterical, she would have been shit on even more. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there's a very popular actress, all tea, all shade, all offense, who wins her Oscars that she won for screaming and crying in movies. That does not take any special skill set. I said what I said on the record. <laughs> One one of the one of the most um, helpful tips I ever learned in school when I was doing scenes was what's more powerful than crying? 
not cry. Not trying not to cry. Trying not to cry. Thank you, Dr. Shout out my acting coaches, Lucia Stoneburner. It is so easy to just cry on stage and to get the tears out and to play, oh, sad me. But what is more impactful and what is more, I mean, you see it in real life too. You see people trying their best not to freak out, holding it in, holding it together. And you start to feel for that person because you're like, oh, it's okay. Just cry. Just cry. No, you feel for me more because I'm not crying. And that makes you want to engage with me more. So mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's just such a, it's crying is the easy way out. Screaming is the easy way out. Acting is not yelling. Yelling is not acting. Like let's mm -hmm. subdue performances and facial expressions are where it's at. And especially when you're on screen and especially when you're in a horror film. 100% all of that. And also the character Sam is on medication. So we assume she's in therapy and would have techniques. So she's not losing her shit. So like, yeah. it doesn't make sense for her to be like, I'm going to cry and scream when she's taking meds. We see her right. take meds. It's one of my notes. Yeah. So and like, it's the character she's dealt. Right. And one thing that I want to say is that like you like while yes, it would have been great to get those those breadcrumbs that we talked about earlier with the visions and all that stuff. She plays a character that you know she's been through shit. Mm -hmm. She was dealing with the fact that her, she essentially split up her parents by the realization that she was not her father's daughter. Her like mom that, that up. Well, yes, it, but in her psyche. She thinks she did. She even says that multiple times. And so it's like that trauma has lived with her and clearly expressed with friction between her parents and her sister and her. And she ran away from home and she's got all of this trauma that she's dealing with. And like Sheree said, yeah, she's clearly gotten help, gotten some coping mechanisms. So yeah, she's not going to be hysterical. And that makes sense for her character. And the other thing I want to mention is that I love that not only does this film center around two brown women it centers around two sisters yes and at the end when she says i guess you're not as smart as you think you were because he thought he turned them against each other and they and that he didn't i wanted to stand up and applaud such a good moment in that movie i feel like this is a good time to thank mr jack quay for being adorable because we have a bunch of adorable men just coming through this franchise i see you mr quay i see you He's, oh. cute. he's so precious and he's in the boys and I, that show I'm not all caught up because the brutality in that show is a lot the body horror in that show is a lot but he's a phenomenal actor and I did want to do one last note on a little bit of an actor nerd out thing so what a lot of people don't realize as an audience is that when we talk about movies coming straight from theater to streaming or being offered simultaneously you act differently for a theater film than you do for a film that is modified for television or for a TV show. And it's all about the eight by 10, right? Like all of our headshots as an actor are calling cards, our eight by 10 photos shoulders up. So yes, we do get shots of the full body. We do get action shots and things like that. But you have to think about, especially given the pandemic and a lot of companies choosing to go straight to streaming, it's all about the eyebrows and the eyes with acting. She could not have gone over the top even by a little bit because it would have read as hysterical. And like Sheree says, given what medication she was very likely on, antipsychotics make you a little bit more subdued. They make you a little bit more blunt with your emotions and not to play into that stereotype, but like just knowing from not taking it personal experience, <laughs> but working with patients who are on those medications they are a lot more even than even most quote unquote normal people who don't take medications. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like 
it's so funny to me that we have this stereotype of people with mental illness being unsafe when in reality, and I'm speaking as a football fan, all you have to do is go to like an NFL game and watch how men in America react to NFL. Games. Oh my God. <laughs> so not that's even, not even just go to the living room. Like you don't have to go yeah. to the game. Just go to someone's damn living room and you got someone's dad throwing pillows and shit. Right. And that's all I'm going to say about <laughs> that dynamic of the acting for screen versus TV versus stage. And Josh was nodding his head as well. I could nerd out about the acting aspects of this film forever, you guys. There was this thing I saw on Facebook. I don't know times. I don't know how long ago, but recently-ish. And this this woman was saying in her tweet that she shared <laughs> that like the biggest the biggest con is how men told us that anger's out an emotion so they can stay angry. I saw that too, and I loved it. <laughs> Sorry, I just like silently pointed to the camera. Like, I, guess I think we all three did. <laughs> I think we all were really excited after we were. We heard that. I guess of Jada from Red Table Talk, where she's like, that part. <laughs> <laughs> but it's. This movie just meant so much to me because it allowed space for people to be people. Removing, you know, yes, gender played a part of it. Yes, race played a part of it. But, for example, the Meeks twins are my favorite characters. Yes. Okay, I'm glad we're all on the same page. Justice for the Meeks twins. When I thought Mindy was going to (laughs) die, I I was ready to write it. Her attack (laughs) moment was, I laughed. Just because she's so funny. She turned around and she said, shit. I love this actor. She's also in Yellow Jackets. If you need more of her, which you all do, she's in Yellow Jackets. Sound of Violence and The Leftovers. If you haven't seen her in The Leftovers, she's brilliant. The Leftovers. I will come out right now and say that me, Josh, uh, Jasmine Savoy Brown fan. Like I only want the best things for her career. Uh, She is a real down to earth person. If you don't follow her on social media, you should because she is just such an honest real person that's just doing the damn thing and as somebody who also wants to do the do the damn thing like i look up to her a lot she's she's a badass i like her a lot she's amazing i, I have a controversial thing to say about her because she's a better movie nerd archetype than randy boom someone listened someone listened to our first episodes because i literally said i want i want the randy character to be queer and i not only got that i got queer black and a woman i was like I love she's it. she's the Randy we deserved. So I told you yeah. as we were watching it earlier. She's the Randy we deserved. One hundred percent. And the fact that they let both of the twins survive, and they yeah. gave each other like the thumbs up or like a fist bump or whatever it was at the end. I was so so so, so happy that they both. Do survived. you all know the story behind his casting? I can't think of the actor's name. Oh, Mason Gooden. Yeah, it's so he's Cooper Gooden Jr.'s son, yeah. and yeah. this movie was happening, and he was like, uh, "I hear you're casting. Here's an essay because I fucking yeah. love Scream, and I just want to be involved. I don't care how. I just want to be involved." And yeah. they were like, he wrote us a fucking essay and he can act. So he, like, who are we to say? He wrote the essay a- in like middle school or high school or something. And it was like when he was in school, he had written this because he's such a huge fan of this franchise. And so he was like, just sent that in. And they're like, you, you have to be here. So I need the email address to submit that to you because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can, can, can I start just emailing casting directors and being like, I wrote an essay. I'd like to be in the Wicked movie. <laughs> but in all I, theory- Oh, go ahead, Sherry. I want to be on the podcast or YouTube video or the next one. So I'm just going to submit some Fear Street shit to be like, hi, we covered all four of these. Love you. Hi. Also, <laughs> love Ready or Not. Hi. We don't right? have to have a big thing. <laughs> we did get that cute little Kirby you know, mm-hmm. Easter egg. I knew I, she lived. I know. I, I, yeah, I knew she lived, but 
I'm also in the camp that, you know, everyone else thinks that Scream 4 is better than Scream 3. Um, I disagree. <laughs> I know everyone else just like, what? What is the Kirby Easter egg? I think I missed it. Oh, when oh, he's watching YouTube oh, she's videos, alive. she's on the side that says survivor of Woodsboro, blah, blah, Kirby. I didn't have my glasses and I missed it. That's <laughs> so, so the first time well, I, I saw the movie in theaters, I, I thought that I misread what it said. And then, you know, like I said, when I saw it, the person I saw it with was like, did you see that? And I was like, what? Everything's happening so fast. Because this is a fast It's a real quick movie. moment. Yeah. Yeah. But then the second time I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, I can pause this now, whatever. And I'm glad that she lived, but we're very obviously going to get her in Scream 6 now that they've announced it. You know, like I said, this movie does move quickly, but I wanted to ask you guys about how you felt about some of the main critiques outside of, you know, Jenna Ortega's performance or Sam Carpenter. That actress's performance. I'm sorry that I'm blanking you guys. It's been a Melissa long. Barrera, you're good. Yeah, Melissa yeah. Barrera. I was like, I, I know her from Vita. Because I, I saw her in Vita um, at the top of the pandemic because I had stars. And I was like, Vita! And the stars are like, we're racist. Cancel it. But like, also let them know we have it for like the queer months. And I'm like, you can't have it both ways, stars. I know. <laughs> and she is such a phenomenal actress. And I just, I, I'm really excited for what she does next from this. But my big beef is that everyone kept saying, we don't get enough time to emotionally connect to these characters but i disagree because the family info that we find out is literally what connects us to them and it works for the legacy fans i agree as well i think that we yeah. got a lot I, I think i got really really excited for four i remember being really excited for four because we were going to have a whole new crop of actors and they were actors that were actually pretty like established at the time like I, oh, everybody yeah. knew who emma roberts was the colkin brother hayden pentier of course but the fact that they were all killed off in four was just kind of like, oh, well, what the hell? Do we, where, where do we go from here? And did we really care that they were killed off in four? This one, I absolutely cared. I think that every single one of them got an adequate amount of screen time. That the living room scene where Mindy is giving everybody, you know, the conversation about movies, and this is a this is a reboot, the requel, yeah, yeah, the requel. I think everybody got a really, really, really good amount of screen time. There's one person in this movie who didn't. And all he got was a death scene. And I don't even remember his character's name, but he died at the bar. Stu's uh, nephew? Yeah, yeah Stu's nephew. You find out later that he was Stu's nephew or something. And I think he was the only one that I believe out of the new characters was probably under service. Yeah. Vince. Vince, yeah. But his character was purely to be in that role. Whereas I think everybody else who we were introduced to really, really did get a lot to work with. Yeah. He did I get think, the red right hand moment though. So I you know then, what? Right? He got it. When that song started playing, I was like, oh my God, they did do all the homework. And then <laughs> over and murder too. I was just like, ah, oh, brilliant. Yeah, all of the music in this is incredible. So they reuse a lot of music from past films. We get Dewey's theme, which mm -hmm. I loved. We get a lot of, if not the original music, then undertones of it, which again, as a legacy fan. I really appreciated. And Josh, just to springboard off of what you were saying, that's why I put four last in my rankings because I did not care when those characters died. In this movie, I was viscerally upset. And I don't know. I just, I, I think this has really earned its place in the canon, you know? Like four is definitely in the middle of my ranking because I, I mean, one is one. We don't, one is never going anywhere. You don't but fuck with I, the original. You don't fuck with the original. But <laughs> I, I enjoy her more than two and three. 
um, for different reasons. And I think that it was just also kind of cool to see something come back after a decade and be like, we still got this enough. You know, there's a thing about three though. Everybody likes to shit on three, screen fans included, because three is like the weird cousin of the screen movies. But I, 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 I remember I saw Scream at like the height of my Scream fandom. So there's like a nostalgia that Scream Three has for me that I'd like enjoy Scream Three. But I will say, in terms of cinematography, rewatching the fourth movie is almost unwatchable because they have a weird glossy mm-hmm. filter the over the movie the entire time. And Scream Four as a whole is just an ugly movie it's but the I do think I filter it. and i hate it <laughs> it's that drag race season one filter yeah yes. it's drag race season one filter that I they mean, have screen so people argue people argue that like that's on purpose that wes wanted to represent horror movies that were currently coming out blah 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 i just i don't think that's what happened i don't foresee him who was a he was a very detailed person clearly and given his the rest of his, you know, cinematography and filmography, I just don't buy that at all. And that's why four is always going to be last for me, which is yeah. super controversial. But, you know, anyways, I just, I mean, I, 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 right. I, I'm in the camp that, because I think Michael Kennedy tweeted this, that like three is my, is my, is in last place, but there is no bad screen movie. Like Correct. there is no screen movie that I'm like, I will never watch this again. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like the disconnect with Scream 3 is that, first off, Kevin Williamson was not there. They took some of his notes, and they were also writing as they were filming it. So there are things that should be happening that don't happen. And so you're like, where'd that staircase go? (laughs) Um, Because I I called out one of the murderers and they drug her away. And I was like, yeah, she did it. And then we're going to listen to the commentary. She's one of the murderers. But they didn't film that. They decided not to at the last minute. I think with all of Scream 3's shortcomings, you know, it's 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 a letdown of who the care of who the killer reveal was. It's kind of like oh okay, we stretched there. It's a letdown of kind of just like how much you get to play with the cannon fodder of characters. But the biggest redeeming quality, in my opinion, for Scream Three is Parker Posey. Yes, and I one hundred percent. I I think that I still kind of get sad sometimes that her character didn't survive because I think especially with her dynamic with Gail and Dewey, she would have made a fantastic addition as a legacy character moving into four and five. If she were still, if she, if she weren't killed off in three, but she, provided, she, she absolutely provided us with some of the most iconic moments of the entire franchise. I'm a Parker Posey stan, so I'm so glad you brought her up. She is the original material girl outside of Madonna. She, I mean, Shop Girl, if you guys have never watched, like, Party Girl and all of her movies, please go back and watch them. Just so good. Anyways, sorry, Trent. I didn't mean to interrupt. I just, I love Parker Posey so much. I was going to completely agree. Like, I think in our episode when we covered three, I said that Parker Posey is, like, the reason I will always, like, go to bat for this movie, even though it is my, like, least of the of the five now because it just like trace it it feels like a it feels like the one that doesn't really fit because of all the because of all the production issues and kevin wasn't there and yeah but one thing i do want to ask about five did she ever have asthma why is the inhaler so damn important i never got that (laughs) here's the thing Asthma, I mean, Jamie has asthma. So, like, if you want to yes, go ahead and spill it, you educate can. Me. So, I was going to say what you're probably going to say. Go for it. Yes, educate me, please. So, remember when she's having, like, a little bit of a panic attack in the car? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I need my inhaler. It's okay. A, 
it's like a tight, and I have anxiety as well. So like capital A diagnosed anxiety. Right. <laughs> and, and it's a moment where you're just, your chest tightens up. And if she's not on medication for her anxiety, she absolutely needs that inhaler. Cause it could okay. be literally any moment, especially, and I'm just spitballing here, like allergies, not necessarily of the seasonal variety, but like to a food or whatever. And if you're traveling and you don't know where you're going next, cause they mm-hmm. were just like, we just have to get the hell out of Woodsboro. I mean, she does right. need it in the car. That's the That's- only moment where she explicitly needs it. When that's you go back to the hospital instead of playing into this game that yes. the boyfriend and Amber had. And that's what gets me because the boyfriend is being the voice of reason. So, you know, he's the murderer. He's saying all the things we are thinking. And that's he's like, how I knew it was him. That's yeah. how I knew it was him. Yeah. Because they're setting it up. So like it's Tara sending us to this house. It's like, no, no, no. He took her out to the car. He took her inhaler. We're done. And yeah. they're not like, let's not do this. Or like, let's just go to Amber's and get it. Like, there are hospitals, there are Walgreens. If you take an asthmatic to a hospital, they have to see them. <laughs> yeah. um, and they can be filled in an inhaler while they're taking care of them. But like, they just be like, go to the party house and find it. It's like, this was. Yeah, I, so, and I think maybe my confusion was I come, came at it through my own lived experience where I, I grew up with asthma. Like I had really bad asthma as a child, had like one of those big old, breathing machines i got the mask <laughs> on to pump it was i had to test like how strong my lungs were it was crazy but i've grown out of that and a lot of so i think i was going back to like how i experienced asthma attacks and it didn't look the same so i'm glad that i was educated in that so thank you my little brother little sister had asthma and it was always awful we couldn't do shit because they. Were just I, had, like, I, I had to lie breathe. flat on the ground like when i had asthma, i'd be like no <laughs> i would be like your lack of breathing is ruining my fun <laughs> i'm just super allergic to like everything that blooms in the springtime so Mm. wheezy f baby and the Mm -hmm. f is for find my inhaler (laughs) (laughs) i do i do want to say really quick that i thought the reveal i I knew it was going to end at Stu's house but the way that they shot everything in Stu's house before sydney calls her to tell her you're in Stu mocker's house get the fuck out was beautiful because I was like, oh, oh, that's uh, I see, and then it like zoomed out, and you're at the you're at the staircase. Yeah, as I, as a diehard fan, I, I absolutely knew the exterior, the interior of that house. I'm like, oh, that's Stu Mocker's house. This is because I also stayed away from the promotional materials. Apparently, people knew because of like the trailers or whatever, but I didn't. I don't watch that shit after the first one because I Kevin leaked a photo of them outside the house. Yeah, I refuse. I refuse. I I muted everything scream related, everything five cream related, everything creamy. I muted it all. So I'm like, you're not gonna ruin this shit for me. But like when they stepped in, I'm like, is this Stu's house? Did they redecorate a little bit? This is like Stu's house. And then they were like, you're in Stu's house. It's like, bitch. Like, <laughs> Listen, and people were saying that like, oh, they did this because Halloween 2018 did it, and I was like, do y'all not understand how scream works? works. <laughs> I don't think you've ever seen a movie in this franchise if you don't think that was vaguely on purpose. And also, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, no, go ahead, Josh. You were going to say what I was going to say that Scream is is self-referential. It's and and that's what makes it Scream. Scream is the most self-referential of all horror films, and that's why it was able to redefine 
what horror movies are still to this day. If you think that any horror movie that comes out does not have any influence by Scream 1996, then you are just missing the point of what Scream did. And mm -hmm. I think that that's what's so brilliant about this this one in particular is that they referenced that fact about Scream. They were like, we know this is a movie, we're playing characters, let's talk about it. And I think that that was so brilliant and provided a huge laughing moment for me in the theater and other people that were around us because it was just like, this movie is diving so deep into the meta-ness of it. Meta-ness, is that a word? I don't know. I made it's it up. Word. Um, and, and just like the self-referential things that it was a little bit on the nose for certain moments where it was just like, ha ha, ha ha, we get it. But like, I, I loved it so much. But there were so many moments of just very subtle time, like in the beginning, when Jenna Ortega like takes the knife out and is playing with the knife. At the, I was like, this is, I I love it. When she's scrolling through the IMDb of the yes. movie cast and, <laughs> and we actually get like the people they were making jokes about playing yeah, the cast. Yes, yes. I mean, I loved it because, you know, it was just so, there were so many nods, like you guys said, and it's, it's hard to like put into words what this movie uh, meant for me coming out of that 11 year drought of not getting anything and not loving the four, you know, the conclusion to the original. And I'm not going to lie. I'm super nervous for number six because oh, yeah. I did not love, I loved Halloween 2018 and I didn't love Halloween kills. It was fine. And so now I'm so scared that that's going to happen with screams. I think this is a different situation because like yeah. Halloween is a whole Bloomhouse situation. I'm going to get into my thoughts with Bloomhouse because I do it almost every episode lately. <laughs> but I feel like Radio Silence actually cares about horror movies and they're actually engaging as opposed to just being like, yeah, do that. Give it money. And so I, there's more care happening here because like all the nods to West, like the Elm Streets mm -hmm. and like just even like the Sam Carpenter, which is shit that like West would do. We've had how many different Carpenters through this franchise? Right. Um, I, I'm living for the way they play with the things and they also yeah. add the things because and that's I how you keep it alive. And really at the end, when it pulled up and it said for West, I was like, that yeah. is just, it, 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 was, it wasn't dedicated. It wasn't da 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 da. For West, perfection. Radio Silence also impressed me a whole lot in this movie because it's almost as if they telegraphed what people were going to complain about with this movie. And they referenced it so many times. And I think comparing it, I, I remember after seeing it, I messaged Jamie and I was like, this movie is The Force Awakens. This movie is Star Wars. Mm -hmm. It's almost like linear, just almost the exact same. And using Ryan Johnson and The Last Jedi as like, you know, people shat on that. And here's probably why they're going to shit on this movie. As a fan of The Last Jedi, I think The Last Jedi is brilliant. I think it's one of the best, if not my favorite, Star Wars movie. It's it's brilliant, and the haters can hate, but I love it. I think the fact that Radio Silence basically telegraphed what was going to be complained about the movie is so brilliant. Because what the audience members who are complaining about this movie don't realize is that the audience members who are complaining about this movie are the reason why the killers are who the killers were. Exactly. My favorite comment I ever, and it's and it's a negative comment about the film, but it made me laugh so hard, was someone made a Facebook comment on like an LGBT or group on Facebook and they were like, I just didn't really like the motive of the killers. And I was like... <laughs> You're literally why they're the killers, my dude. And Everybody who goes on Reddit and complains that their fan theories weren't correct, that they would have done it this way, that the creators didn't know what they do. This is so out of character for the characters. Like, 
that is what the motive of the killers in this movie was. So to take yourself after watching this movie and complain on Reddit or to bash the movie or to say that it wasn't as imaginative as you wanted it to be, you are the two characters who were the killers. And it's You're just the so problem, wild. Chad. Yeah. You're the problem. Right? Well, and I think Sheree and I have had extensive discussions about this because there's a certain website that we follow the comments of and that we often, the Facebook comments of specifically because they're usually trash. Their Twitter comments are amazing and then their Facebook comments is trash because the Facebook, the Facebook generation, I guess, for lack of a better term, is not the most, you know, with the fact that we're acknowledging black and brown queer people now. We're acknowledging the fact that not every single person that loves horror thinks that doom metal is the best genre ever or they like every single genre of music. I'm just waiting for them to discover Kim Petras, to be honest, because they're going to get real mad. <laughs> While we're on her, though, Throat Goad is my favorite thing to happen. <laughs> shit. I heard that song for the first time a couple of days ago because my partner was playing it in the kitchen while they were cooking. And I was like, what are we listening to? This is what? brilliant. And, oh my God, I can't yeah. believe this is a song. Slut Pop is art, but that song specifically. We'll have to go back and talk about her last album, Off Pod, because she does a lot of horror themed, even just the way that she composes her music, because she does compose all of her music. Some of her songs only have like two or three lyrics to them, but they need to be used in horror films. Uh, but anyways, I digress. The point is, the killers in this film are the people who are basically trying to kill the genre. To me, this was very symbolic. You know, this genre is going to be more inclusive. Get over it. This mm -hmm. is not 1985. We're not doing preps versus jocks versus goth kids. We are acknowledging the fact that there are bigger things at play than what group you hang out with. Every single kid that I used to babysit is now in high school, like junior or senior, or, and I'm aging myself, a freshman in college. <laughs> but they all connected to this movie. They all were like texting me or like, you know, DMing me on Instagram after I posted a story about it because it reflects how their world really is. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry that your world isn't as colorful and wonderful and full of life as this film's reflects. But that's a you problem. That is not a this movie or this genre problem. And it just makes me so, it makes me sad because I want everyone to get on the boat and take the ride, right? Like I want everyone to enjoy it and have a great time. But if your biggest critique of this movie was that it was trying to push an agenda, you need to get back in touch with reality and take a walk somewhere outside of your city that's apparently all white. Like, I don't understand. I'm really tired of Aunt Becky rolling in here and being like, it's too woke when there's too many people of color involved. Right. Just say you're racist. That's because, not lying to me, Aunt Becky. Because race, like race, sexuality, gender identity was not a theme of this film. It not, just at was there. not at all. Not at all, no. I love that the, the, the Mindy, and I can't think of her brother's name off the top of my head, but the, the yeah. twins... Chad, yes. uh, oh, well, uh, whatever. That they never had like a. Let me have a scene to talk about my blackness. Or Mindy was never had a scene to talk about my queerness. Or you know, like they just were. They just like, were, and they it, just it's, were. It's it's so real life, and it's so the way that things should be, especially watching things on TV. There is a reason why queer people and people of color and queer people of color 
gravitate to horror films. Mm -hmm. There is a reason why. And it is because being ostracized in real life and seeing yourself in characters in movies in a genre that is ostracized by the rest of the genre, there is something to connect to there. It's why every queer person's favorite uh, villain in Powerpuff Girls is him. Yes! <laughs> yes, yes. It, 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 it makes so much sense. And my partner brings up a topic about that a lot that is just very, very smart that I'm just like, you know, the world is queer. The world is gay. And we were always here. We will always be here. We're just a lot more comfort comfortable about showing you that we are here now. And we're not going away. And I really, really do appreciate that Scream, especially with uh, Mindy's character, really just pushed that narrative. And it is not an agenda. It is not trying to change your mind about something. It is literally just the way people are living their lives. And Existing is not an agenda. Yeah. Well, and that's... It's existing. Just, yeah, and shout out to Kevin from The Calls Are Coming From Inside The Pod because they just had this beautiful conversation with us on their pod about the thing and the being you know queer, there's an otherness, especially when you don't want to put a broader label on it when you just use the word queer. And I think if people are upset about this being an aspect in the new movie, and like we've all said, it's not even a plot point. It's just a fact in the film. They have completely missed the point of horror. Horror to me has always been about the misfits, the outcasts, the, the darker things. And the fact that y'all think that because you shopped at Hot Topic as a teenager, that made you an outsider. <laughs> and... I mean, I did too, you know, like I was the weird cheerleader that painted her nails black and like didn't wear her hair the way she was supposed to wear it. But that didn't make me, that didn't make me marginalized. <laughs> make a romance album does not make you an outlier. Right. And, and there's a whole essay to be written about the queerness and the otherness in the early 2000s and men being more feminine and things like that with their their guy liner being metrosexual but that's a whole other pod topic i just i love this movie so much and i'm so glad you guys invited us on to talk about it because there were so many aspects of it that really spoke to me as a legacy fan me as someone whose closest friends are all not straight nor white like <laughs> and it just it reflected i think 2022 and the fact that they made this film in a pandemic is such a wonderful accomplishment. Major, major kudos to Radio Silence and the entire team involved in it. it. It was one of the first productions to pick up during the pandemic, wasn't it? I remember Courtney Cox yeah. posted the photo back in like- They had masks on and like- Yeah. They thanked yeah. the COVID compliance department. I forgot the name of it legitimately, but they thanked them in the credits. And they also like are thanking people who were voices at the party who are actors we know, Matthew Lillard. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I was like, yeah. I wanted him to come back so bad. You guys know how I feel about him, but no, he's, dead. No, he's dead. He's dead. Him, Drew Barrymore, and I think Henry Winkler are yeah. voices in this. Yeah, voice game. Drew Barrymore was such a supporter of this film, and I love her to death. And I think that's so great. One thing I, I, I do want to say really quick because I want you to talk about it, Jamie, before we get to hot the hot uh, hot, takes. hot takes. Yes, because <laughs> uh, I tried. Sorry, I'm trying to get it in quickly. But you had that note about Tara because you alluded to it earlier in the episode, so I want you to talk about how you are Tara. <laughs> okay, I am Tara, Tara is me. My older <laughs> sibling was allowed to kind of be a little bit more easygoing and type B personality, whatever, and moved out fairly early, etc. I was not. <laughs> <laughs> I am the type A, I still am. And personal history aside, when she said I still prefer the Babadook, 
bitch, same. Because let me tell y'all, there are so many people who are like, haha, like even the horrors of meditation on grief fans get, you know, poked at in this movie. Yes, we got poked at, but you know what they didn't say? They didn't make us the killers. They didn't tell us we were wrong. Because to me, horror is a little bit predictable and I'm okay with that. And so is every other story arc that happens in mainstream media. But the reason I love Scream so much is because it's unpredictable. It's a whodunit, like I said at the beginning. But yes, Tara is me. I am Tara. Like having to still take care of yourself, even though you are injured both mentally and physically. And then having an older sibling who's like, but my dad was a bad person. I relate to that on such a deep level. And if my brother's listening to this, I'm so sorry. I do love you. He and I talk about this all the time. But it's just, you know, it's not a secret that he's my half-brother, but he was raised as my f- full brother. <laughs> I'm picturing like a gas tank game, you know? Gas <laughs> 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 tank on you, but all jeans are on me. Um, <laughs> he, he's the half, you're the full. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I say all that to say there were aspects of her character that I just clicked with completely. And the fact that this movie came out when it did, it just was a big connection moment for me. And so it's funny that they have her using those lines because this was a meditation on grief for me. This was a meditation on how do I deal with having a problematic past or a family member who needs to be held accountable for what they did, but no one's acknowledging it. And she said, Like Christina Aguilera, I'm a survivor. I'm a fighter. Like she said, Destiny's Child and Christina, like she was pulling it out, you know? So she's so inspiring. And this Tara really gets me emotional when I think about it. The second time I watched, I got very choked up when she's sitting in her hospital bed toward the end. And everyone just kind of leaves her in her hospital bed. And her mom won't even come take care of her. And God, did that feel so relatable. Not to turn this into like a pity party, y'all. But it's just... On a personal level, there were many things that reflected real life events for me. And then also the aspect of loving the Babadook and and preferring, (laughs) you know, the phrase that we all hate and everybody says it, but the elevated horror. I go hard for a lot of A24 movies that other people hate. And that's okay. I don't care that other people hate it. It takes a village. It does. And speaking of which, I love The Village. Justice for that movie. <laughs> I um, trusted you. <laughs> I, I think it's a good movie. I think it's a good movie. But <laughs> thanks for out letting me get a little emo, you guys. She was she means a lot to me. This franchise means a lot to me. Um, it was what I was allowed to watch when I wasn't allowed to watch much else in a very strict household growing up. Because they thought they were like, oh, it's a comedy. <laughs> Joke's on y'all. <laughs> While we're talking about her character, I need to go ahead and let y'all know right here, right now, Jenna Ortega has three horror movies coming out this year. This is the first one. Your ass better go see Studio 666. Also, Foo Fighters. Dave Grohl can still get it. And you better also go see X. Like, and don't talk to me if you're not going to see either of those, because don't be like, oh, yeah, she's going to get in Scream, but oh, I didn't get around to it. Like, you do all the moves of brown people. I see you. I will, I will add you. You know I will. So Jenna Ortega is the newest addition to the Scream Queen Pantheon, and I'm here to welcome her. Jamie, just let me know Dave Grohl is on the new Hot Ones, and I almost left this Zoom, just so we're all clear. That's what my priorities are. <laughs> I was like, we did good. It's fine. I'll find a Shrey, later. We just have to get through Hot Takes, Shrey. Stay with us. Stay with us for Hot Takes, and then we'll let you go. <laughs> I got a Hot Take waiting for me. Speed this shit up. Let's go. All right, y'all. <laughs> 
Well, let's, we, we've talked, we've, we've gushed about this film a whole lot. So let's get the hot takes. This film is a very solid 4.89 out of 5. Argue with your mama or yourself, not me. I think it was damn near perfect. The only things that I critiqued were what Shrey and I spoke about of Dewey being dumb enough to die. <laughs> and that was about it. Um, hot take for me. And I think this is because it seemed like a universal criticism for the movie with that the original trio were underused. I think that the original trio were perfectly used. And I think it's finally time for a screen movie that is not just completely focused on the original trio. And I don't mind that Sydney wasn't in this movie a lot because if you go back to three, Sydney's barely there. And so I, my hot take is just like, I, I, I think I enjoyed these new characters a lot more than I enjoyed the original three for a little bit. And I am a Mindy Meeks Martin stan account and I am here to like watch her and her brother Chad kick ass through the next, you know, hopefully <laughs> three or four movies that we get. 100% that. I wrote a whole ass essay. So like when I say in this essay, I mean it. I wrote a whole ass essay on Dread Central saying the original trio ain't it no more. And then I went to see this movie and Radio Silence said, you right, bitch, and get at me. <laughs> <laughs> but my actual hot take. I, this is so nitpicky, but it's also so me. It I is really, so you. It's so <laughs> me. I, I knew this was gonna be your hot take. I knew it. It's not necessary. It's not fucking necessary. <laughs> I hate that Sydney married Mark, who we haven't talked about since we saw him in three. And they got they got babies now. And we know Patrick Dempsey's not coming back to this franchise. So who did that for? Who who was like, you know what Sydney needs? A man. See, I don't need no man. She's never gun. Because people be coming for his bitch. It's been 20-something years now. It's been six. Yeah. No, it has been 26 years. This bitch has been running from Gus for 26 years. She don't need no man. And when Dewey no, asked her if she had a gun, that was his first stupid mistake. I was like, Dewey, do you know her? But it gave us the iconic line. It's of course true. I have my gun. I'm Sydney Prescott. Like, I, mean, I, same. I hate guns, but I'm like, that bitch deserves one. If we she were in a, if we had to vote on who gets guns in the society, I'd be like, Sydney Prescott gets one. Yes. Yeah. She, I want her to have one, and I want her to not be anywhere in my state or city. <laughs> <laughs> so my hot take is more sentimental than pretty spicy, but... I'm just glad that we have creators like these uh, that I can entrust with my favorite movie franchise of literally all time. Scream is my favorite movie of all time, and I stand by that. I don't give a fuck. I think that as we've as we have discussed, a lot of queer LGBTQIA plus people, people of color, just identify so much with this franchise, and I think that that's why we keep coming back to it and I just I was so worried when Wes passed because like I at that point I was like okay we're, we're never we're, we're never and then when I heard this I was like maybe I love I love Ready or Not I, 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 I I'm tentative and then I heard that Nev had joined in and Courtney joined in and, and David joined in and then I heard Kevin was producing and I was like okay we at least have the majority, the people that we can get in this in, from the original, and it's, it didn't disappoint me. It, it even with the few complaints that I have, I am so relieved that I'm not even that worried about the the next one coming out. Like I trust them now. Like I mean, granted, I could, I might take this back <laughs> next year, but at this point, I trust them. They have not done anything to me to make me go, and I'm I'm scared. I'm, I and I think that I, I'm just glad we still have people around making amazing horror films. 
and pushing this franchise to where it needs to be. I definitely walked out being like, I need a sequel, which we don't normally do that when our things come back. We're like, I did it. I'm going to go drink about it and talk to my friends. I need um, comfort. Especially with like the fifth in a franchise. Who wants mm-hmm. a sixth in anything? Like the Fast and the Furious, I think is on like 10. Huh. Girl. What, what are they chasing? <laughs> are they still chasing? I think I dropped Why them. are they so mad? Stop being so furious. <laughs> I'm going to just tell you after 20 years, you're in as fast as you used to be. <laughs> <laughs> Can I um, might be more furious though. Can I also yeah. just like point out a shout out to uh, Mikey Madison for being um, inflamed again in a movie, and that's all she dies because um, once upon a time in Hollywood, she's playing one of the Manson family members, and I think it's Leo. Like you know, lights her up with a flamethrower, and then again in this one, they set her on fire. So you know, if Mikey Madison is just gonna catch on fire for every movie that she's gonna be in, if that's her legacy, I'm down. <laughs> We did not talk about her death, but aside from Dewey's death, I feel like her death was like one of the iconic ones in the movie. 100%. I Oh, one thing, sorry. Another thing I just want to say is at the end of this film, the four people standing, now granted the, the brother twin lived too, but the four people standing are all women. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it. Where yes. I think that's never happened in any of the other franchises. There's always been a man, at least in the mix. Wait. Wait, I'm doing math. I'm doing math. Because we have Sam, we have Tara, we have both Meeks twins. Gail and uh, Sydney. Oh, Gail I forgot Sydney. about those two. I was about to say, no white people lived. And I was like, oh, yeah, the legacy character is still there. But, like, even thinking in that, like, yeah, like, okay, how brilliant is it to think of the other characters in the movie and not just Sydney and Gail? And I think that that is something that I really, really appreciated of this movie is that, like, it really made me care for and want to watch the story of the other characters. And I just... Yeah. It also made me laugh though at the end of the movie when like Tara's, of course, she's been that girl been put through a lot, but she's on a gurney. Mindy and her brother's on a on a gurney. Sam's kind of ho- hobbling around a little bit. Gail and Gail and uh, Sydney are sitting there like, "Hey, <laughs> hey y'all, we're here. We've been shot before. That was the We've other. <laughs> in the words of Fifty Cent, I've been shot and I still walk with a limp, but I might. Think that's my only." complaint I think that I actually agreed with is people were like Gail should be at the hospital she should not be in the back of an ambulance it was like all back because two when she was shot in the stomach Right, and then come back up here to be like, "Cotton, get me out of here (laughs) and that's that there was that callback and then the last thing I'm going to say before we dip out the callback to four of Jenna almost running the stop sign was Mm -hmm. really good there were a lot of little easter eggs like that and I was trying to remember it's Tori Spelling, you guys, and I wanted to give her a shout out because she was the Sydney to my Tatum when we did a table read, and she was so wonderful to work with, and just she has such a good sense of humor about the whole situation, so I love that she kind of kept that from us while we were doing the table read. She, she didn't tell us she was in uh, five, so anyways, wonderful, wonderful times all around. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. Thank you so much, Jamie and Josh. We could not have had this episode without you two. You're the perfect guest for this film. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having us. Yeah, you know, I'm always going to talk about Scream. I'm probably going to be like 109 in the nursing home being like, I'm going to go see Scream 42. And they're like, all right, Nana. (laughs) And I'll still be drunk on a Zoom being like, we're going to talk about it in the podcast. Get ready. And again, thank you everyone for listening to us gush about this film. <laughs> Hopefully you all agree with us. If you don't, sorry about it.
<laughs> I hope you enjoyed this special episode. That's all we got. Stay fierce. Yeah. No, that's all. I'm not stay fierce. You're stay fierce. <laughs> I can read. I can read. It's good. Take my lines, bitch. Uh <laughs> Don't fuck with the original. Continue. But as always, make sure that you stay fierce out there. Bye.